guys welcome to another episode of get up 10 today we're gonna have some fun we're gonna have some girl talk but if you're a guy listening don't leave because you're still gonna get so much value from this conversation today we are talking with coach rocky she is an award-winning cmo organic marketing strategist author to be speaker and coach she is the ceo of jn R-E-M-U Business Solutions, Rock Your Content Academy, and Conquer Your Ish brand. With over 10 years of experience with organic digital marketing and product creation, she specializes in social media marketing, content marketing, and AI business integration strategy. She shows her clients how to show up on social media confidently, attract dream clients, and increase conversions using content and AI tools for your business. She believes that we're meant to tackle the lies, labels, and limitations we place on ourselves so we can show up and show out online. And even though she's all about marketing and social media, we got into so much more. We really got to hear her story. We got to hear about uh, her parenting and just some of the things that she's been through because I think it's so easy that to see people and how they show up online, but it's a whole other thing to hear their story and what they've been through right so i'm really excited for this conversation it was so good there was definitely some kiki and some giggling some laughter so i hope that you smile as you listen to this wherever you are today and yeah let's get into it i'm so happy to be here today with coach rocky welcome to get up 10 how are you i'm doing great i cannot complain how are you i'm good i'm just like I'm not on your level as far as the glow today. Like I got my eyebrows done, something and a little like you know, like oh who's that? But I'm looking at you and like the skin is glowing. Like it looks so good. no makeup, just no filter. The fresh face is it's doing what it needs to do. Like I love it. Thank you. It's God, girl. <laughs> yes, and ooh, shout out to God. Since I'm with you today, and I have a little like sense of your personality and things. I'm going to give the full, like, get up 10 introduction because it's a little ratchet, but anyways. Girl, um, do it. <laughs> I never know, like, who's listening for the first time or even just for my guests, so I always like to just, like, re- is it reiterate, restate? I don't know. Also, I told you this off camera, but yeah, I decided to be an overachiever and work out at 5 a.m. today for the first time in, I don't know. I don't know how long. Anyway, so we'll see how my brain holds up during this interview, but it's fine. Everything's More fine. More power to you. More power <laughs> to you. Last week, I was so tired. And by Friday, I was like, nah, we're not going to the gym today. We're just not. So this week, I was like, mm-mm. Get it in. We're going five for five. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Can't wait for my nap later. Anyways, okay, so I started Get Up 10 in 2018. And yes, the name does come from a Cardi B song <laughs> because when I was in college, I was introduced to not like literally introduced, but, you know, like I just became aware of who she was. Mm-hmm. So because I went to college in the nice part of the Bronx and Cardi B is from New York City. And at the time, she was just like a stripper with a big social media following. And then I watched her go from that to a reality tv star and then using love and hip-hop to like launch her music career which is kind of where i think a lot more people found out about her but i literally like watched her come up 
like in that time frame i do not follow her now i always make that disclaimer i do not follow her now i don't know what's going on i don't care it's fine but that was you know at that point in my life i was following her so she has a song called get up 10 and it says i look myself in the mirror i said we gonna win knock me down nine times but i get up 10 period and i'm all about resilience so that resonated with me and then like I said, I watched her glow up or her journey, however you want to call it. And I saw how like she would just get on social media, like wig off, like teeth crooked, whatever is going on. And she was just always showing up and not really caring about the aesthetics or being perfect. And I really admired that because I'm sure as you know, like so many people make so many excuses as to why they can't show up on social yeah. media or you know, create a presence for themselves or their brand because whatever, there's like all these excuses, but I saw that she didn't let those excuses stop her. And I just thought like how many more people would be successful if they just was on the same like energy, like if they moved in the same way, like if they just didn't care and just showed up. So all of that really resonated with me. And here we are, Get Up 10 Podcast. So with that being said, how has life knocked you down? Ooh, um, you know, I think about even from when I was born, I've had resilience. Like, I'll just quickly say, like, I was in my mom's tubes. Like, she had her her tubes tied, clipped, and burned. And I was in her tubes, and it was like, we're about to take the baby because it won't survive. And when she went in for the procedure, I was out of her tubes. And I will tell you, that has that's like the story of my life. I was in the tubes about to be counted out. And then next thing you know, I was out. And so when I think about from childhood abuse to domestic violence, to surviving death and all other things, um, life has definitely tried to knock me down, but I, I don't necessarily consider it that. I think it was God preparing me for the season of where I would have to be a light for other people. So I, I've been in training my whole life that's how I look at it okay we're not just gonna like <laughs> gloss over some of the things that you just said <laughs> so like, oh. yeah because I'm I knew there was a story there so I'm excited to get into it a little bit today so okay wow childhood abuse that sucks first of all like I'm sorry you had to go through that yeah absolutely and I don't know if you want to share a little bit more about that. Like, was it your parents or was it like a family member or a friend? It was. So my my mom had started dating a new guy. He had kids and I'm not going to lie to you. I was excited. I have a big family. So he brought in a bunch of kids and I was like, oh, stepbrother, stepsisters. Like we have yeah. a big family. Um, but my stepbrother was not like he he saw this five six-year-old kid as an opportunity and so going through molestation at that young age and not really understanding what's happening but I think on the other side of that because um this is not a plug or or anything I am writing a book about this um and that's how the conquer your ish brand came about because it's God telling me to tell the story and but on on that side of telling your story at a young age and no, like people not believing you or being told like you see that I have this new relationship and you're trying to mess it up that messes you up as a kid it it really does and 
being bounced around because of it, feeling like you, you know, I, I didn't lose my, I guess I didn't lose like my childhood only in that moment. I lost my sense of security. I lost my sense of peace. I yeah. lost my sense of stability. And um, I think that was worse than the actual act itself. So when you go through something like that, you wear that. Unfortunately, I, I wore it as a badge of honor for a very long time. And when I say it, I don't mean it was a real badge of honor. It was like, it just was something that was on me that I let define me and a lot of decisions that I made. And once I allowed myself to be released from that, I forgave me first because I, first off, it wasn't my fault. I was five, six years old. Like the adults should have protected me. I couldn't have protected myself. And I think a lot of times as victims, we look at it like there's something I should have did. No, it's not something you should have did or could have did. It happened. So, and I also think God set it up for me that way. And it took me a while to realize that like God set it up for me that way, because there's always lessons to be learned throughout those situations. So even though it was a traumatic experience and I wore it for a long time as, as this traumatic experiences badge it really taught me like you can trust yourself and you can trust other people not everybody is out to get you because that's a whole nother conversation <laughs> yeah okay I don't think I've ever talked about learning to trust yourself before so let's talk about that mm -hmm. so you did it what what made you not trust yourself or like when you didn't trust yourself like what was the thought process or the reason you felt like you couldn't it was more so so I started I will say this was my first moment with toxic behavior where I thought because I was so happy to have a a bigger family and new family and to to welcome these people in um and and I want to say this because I know this will be out in the public. I love my stepsisters and brothers. I'll just say that nothing there's this won't change our relationship at all. But I think I was so welcoming and so happy. And that happened. It was like, why? How, like, what? I wanted this. I wanted those relationships, those connections. So I welcomed that. And I felt like I couldn't trust myself when it came to people I, because now I'm I'm open. I'm like, yeah, I'm excited. Yay. Hey, new friend. And now I'm like, I can't trust people because I can't trust myself to recognize or have discernment of who's the right person to be in my, my, my ecosystem or around me. So I went through life kind of like closed off to people. Because I could not recognize if someone did something nice for me, I'd be like, what you want? And it was more so it wasn't because I didn't trust them. It was I didn't trust me to recognize a nice act versus a manipulative one. And that kind of trickled into every decision I made in life. It's like, you know, I probably missed out on a, a good chance of a husband because homeboy did too much nice. And I was like, mm mm. And then when you get someone who does something nice, you're like, yeah, I'm I'm going to try it. And then it took a while for me to trust myself. But it, it, what it really came down to was trusting that God trusted me to make the right decision, even when it was the wrong decision. And learning my discern that spiritual discernment through time. So 
trusting yourself is really like a relationship when you think about it. You you gotta you gotta build that relationship and you have to, even if you make a mistake, which I I think is the hardest part, is that you alone didn't make the mistake. It's okay. Mistakes are like the training. It's lessons. So you just have to be, you have to be open to that and understand that that's the way it is. Yeah, I love this topic of trusting yourself because I feel like it's very parallel to loving yourself. And I saw this quote and it's like, people can only meet you as deeply as they've met themselves. And so, so much of how we interact with other people begins with how we interact with ourselves. And I was thinking like, is there a way to build that trust? Like, like, is there an easy way without pain? <laughs> like, without no, pain? there's really there's not. not like you have to go through something. And even I think in my own life, like where I because that's normal for children to be very open because, you know, they they don't know any better, you know, you don't They're know just, any better. Full of love, like happiness. <laughs> Yeah, like no concept of like danger or like betrayal or, or any of that. Um, so like I remember my childhood and like the first time I felt betrayed or hurt. And then for a while you 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 go through that. It's like I can't trust myself. Like look at what I did, the choices that I made, like how they treated me. And then I feel like now I'm in that phase where I'm starting to see like, oh no, like that gut feeling, like we're not ignoring that and like I, I went through this other thing where it was like, oh, I don't want to be too judgy. Like, you never know. Don't by its color. And then I'm like, mm, I was right. I was right from the beginning. Exactly. Exactly. You try, you try to ignore the gut feeling. And I have since then, now that I'm way more closer to God, like, I know that that's discernment. Yeah. That is, that is the Holy Spirit taking over. Because, because think about it. This and this is my science background kicking in. Um, Your second brain is your gut. You have your head and then you have your stomach. And knowing that your second brain is your gut, think of it as your second line of defense. So your mind is telling you one thing. You want to be accepting. You want to be with that person. You want to go to this place. But your brain is your second line of the, your stomach is your second line of defense. So that's why you get this energy inside of your stomach that's basically alarming you not to do the thing or alarming you about a person. So when we get this feeling in our stomach, we have to recognize and accept that something might be wrong or it might actually be right. Because before you do a, a, a speaking event, you get nervous and that nervous energy sits in your stomach. Because it goes from your mind, because your mind takes over and you're like, I'm preparing. I got to get on stage. I got to do this. But it goes to your stomach because you pushed it out of here and now it's there. So that nervous energy gets built up in your second brain. And so I think sometimes we just ignore it. And I've learned like, nah, I'm I'm not ignoring that anymore <laughs> at all, yeah. at all. Exactly. Me too. And definitely getting close to God is a game changer because this year I definitely prayed like that God would open my spiritual eyes and that's a whole nother world like 
because we see the physical but to see somebody's spirit like and I believe that God has shown me people's spirit like especially I'm a big dreamer and the way that I see people in dreams I'm like oh that's what's going on like yeah it's wait hold on have you seen me in a dream no okay. <laughs> no. I'm like hold on girl because my sister is exactly the same she is yeah. a she dreams of things and they happen she's like she doesn't even know how powerful she is she dreams of things and they happen so I was like hold on girl have you dreamed about me <laughs> no I love being a dreamer though I won't say that my dreams are like that where it's like I dream something before it happens I mean occasionally but like one example of that is like I had a dream about this guy that I grew up with and then the, the next day or like the same day he texts me and I was like Mm. <laughs> would you look at that mm. <laughs> and it was crazy because in the dream like he I feel like I like we had like a crush on each other or something and then like he admitted that he had a girlfriend and I was disappointed and then in real life when he texted me like he was definitely in a relationship so I I'm not gonna lie I did why get you texting me <laughs> I yeah I did get a little disappointed by the little experience that happened but not really because I was already I already knew what was gonna happen because like yeah I already saw it in the dream like I, I it's crazy you know, like so God funny. set that up for you yeah God set it up for you because he did not want you to get distracted from your purpose exactly and, and God is so intentional because God will be like hmm nah I don't like that I'm gonna take that out of her life completely and then he'll also be like, you know what? I know this is making her mad. I know this is frustrating her right now, but I'm going to leave this as it is because I like what it's about to do to her. Yeah. I like how this is about to shape her and prepare her for the next thing. And so God is so intentional in that way that sometimes we'd be like, oh my gosh, this thing just happened overnight. Nah, God said, I don't like what that's going to take you. So he took it away from you. Yeah, agreed. And even like... I don't want to talk too much on domestic violence because that's a whole nother topic. And I definitely talked about it last month, but it's definitely a part of both of our stories. So we are mm -hmm. not going to gloss over that or anything. But I've even had dreams of like my daughter's father where he'll, he will be angry in the dream. And I like this was a couple of years ago. He was angry in the dream. And I kind of just knew like, ooh, like I think he still has anger in his heart in real life too, like. Mm -hmm. so yeah and and I also feel like because I have continued to do the work on my relationship with God like and we I built that trust between me and him and he knows like oh she's listening now <laughs> like she's paying attention now she's not being right hearted. I can <laughs> trust her with these things because I know she's gonna act accordingly okay <laughs> yeah. father I'm listening <laughs> yeah I've been humbled I'm ready to listen now <sighs> okay but back to back to your what do I want to call them how life has knocked you how life has thrown some punches right because mm -hmm. it didn't really knock you down um do you want to get into your story with domestic violence a little bit like you don't have to go crazy deep but just you know it was really just between me and my child's father and I think we were both um I'll just be very open and say it like I'm a fighter too so if you put your hands on me I'm gonna put my hands on you period but 
it's just one of those things where you think it's normal because you see a lot of it like growing up you think it's normal for like my dad was definitely not that way but I saw it like in other people's relationships and you think it's normal to fight in your relationship you think it's normal to raise your voice and be angry and full of rage and you're like hold on this is not normal so we did we did fight like we we fought and then at some point I just got tired I was like, I don't want to keep fighting this man. And he's not, let me also say, like, he's not a bad dad. He's a good dude. But I think we were both very immature. And he grew up watching his dad um, abuse his mom. And when you, it's a learned behavior. Love is a learned behavior. I want yeah. everyone to understand that. From the moment you're born, even in the womb, from that moment to wherever you are right now, love is a learned behavior. And so if you see that as being what love is, you're going to think that's what love is. And we both, I saw it indirectly, he saw it directly. So we both were not in a place of where we were healed from that. And we did, we fought in our relationship. And at some point I was just like, look, I can't do this no more outside of other things that were going on, but I can't do it anymore. And we did end up getting divorced. And here we are, you know, what, almost 10 years later, and we're both healthier, both, we've both been to therapy, okay, we've both been to therapy, and we've both just found, like, what happiness looks like for us, and happiness is not what our parents, or our aunts, or our uncles did in their life, happiness is what we've defined through God, so that's good, I'll just say that, like, because people, people don't, people won't admit if they're fighters, too, and I was a fighter. I wasn't going to let nobody hit me and then I won't hit you back. And I don't care if you knock me out. At least I got a good licking. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love the transparency. Yeah. <laughs> I'm real with myself. I think that's another thing. Like being closer to God allows you to be real with yourself. Like it allows you to recognize, you know what? I did that. I was wrong. Yeah. I see it. And I'm I'm better now. <laughs> good. That's so true. Hmm. I'm like, where do we go now? Okay. The last thing that you mentioned that that you just, just threw out there real quick that was surviving death. So did you have a near-death experience or experience? Or in 2020, um, I went in for I was having some issues with my stomach. And so my doctor had decided to do a routine procedure. And um in 2020, I went in, I had the procedure, everything was fine. And then like two weeks later, all of my GI, everything in my GI started to shut down. They did a scan and it was like, we're not picking up anything like your liver, your, your stomach, your intestines, your pancreas, like everything is like not reading. We don't know what's going on. So immediately that I went in probably about midnight because I was throwing up. I could not keep, girl, I couldn't drink anything the side of food was like in water. I couldn't even drink water. I was throwing up every like everything. And I got to the point where I had nothing to throw up. So if anybody's ever been to that point where you have nothing to throw up, you're now throwing up acid. So I had acid going through my esophagus. And so I was literally just dead sick. And my mom was like, no, you need to go to the hospital. She called the ambulance, went to the hospital. And that's when they ran all the tests and they were like, everything's kind of like shutting down. So they scheduled a surgery that morning. And when I was in 
surgery, three minutes and 23 seconds, I actually was dead. And they continued to work on me, continue to, um, you know, like they continue to work on me because they were not going to give up, period. And I really think it was a, it was also God because God's like, nah, no, 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 Her, This moment right here is for me. It's not for y'all. Yeah. And so after that, of course, like I survived, I ended up um, losing half of my stomach, um, my gallbladder, part of my liver, and I have chronic pancreatitis. So basically I'm also very blessed to not be diabetic. Your pancreas regulates your sugar. Yeah. And I'm, my doctor had no, like even the recovery, he was like, it's going to take you, you know, a year, maybe two years to recover. And within three to four months, I was fully recovered. And I don't, I have like, sometimes I have bouts of like the pancreas will flare up. But other than that, like they don't understand. And I say, I know y'all don't understand. It's God. I am a medical anomaly to them because I had a full shutdown and within three to four months, I had to train myself how to consume food, like from down from just drinking water to go into soft foods to then solids. And that was an experience because you naturally want to eat everything. I come from, first of all, I'm from New Orleans. Girl, gumbo, you got seafood, crawfish boils. Girl, I love eating. So this was also around Thanksgiving and of course it this, was okay <laughs> and me watching everybody you know and actually my family did something so nice to this day like I just appreciate them they actually had Thanksgiving at my sister's house because normally it would be at my house but they had Thanksgiving at my sister's house because they didn't want me to like see all the food and everything and at the at the time I was like man I hate y'all but but then I'm like I'm really grateful y'all did that because I did not want to be around food. I because I wanted to eat. Yeah. I, so going through that experience, here's the thing. God had revealed something to me a couple years before. And this was the first time I had saw my calling. And I ignored it. And because I felt like my calling was too grand for someone like me. I think that needs to be talked about. I felt like my calling was too big. For someone like me, where I came from, what I experienced, I was like, ain't no way in the world God want me to do that. Nah, not little old me, not, you know, hurt me. No, not me. And I ignored it. And I think God needed to hit like reset on my, on me, on my life. And um, people always ask me, like, when you went through that, what did you see? Like, you know, people, the big question, you died. What did you see? Mm -hmm. And I saw in that moment, I was, I, I remember very vividly, like I was standing on a stage and there was like thousands and thousands of people, but I had this presence next to me. And I don't know if it was a man or a woman. I just knew that there was someone next to me on the stage and I felt so peaceful. I felt so at peace. And after going through that, it's like, okay, God, I accept the calling. I got you you want me to do this? I accept it. Now, of course, I was still a little disobedient because once I healed, you know, I was like, I'm outside. I'm ready to go. Like, let's do this. And God was like, look at little girl. I told you what I wanted you to do. I'm showing you what I want you to do and you're still not listening. And so that experience 
um, definitely brought me closer to God. I, a year later, this is, this is my other moment. A year after this happened, this is me like, oh yeah, you know, I'm better. I'm doing good. I survived. I caught the Holy Spirit for the first time in my life. For the first, a year later, I said, what the heck? I had never in my 32 years at the, uh, 31 years at the time had caught, caught the Holy Spirit. And I caught the Holy Spirit for the first time. And I, when I did, I felt this sense of urgency and I slept for like hours after. I don't even remember it. I felt, I felt a sense of urgency, but I was also very tired afterwards. And I felt like God was saying to me, stop playing with me. I told, I showed you what I want you to do and you playing with me. And since that moment, I've just been gung ho on God. Like, I'm like, I got you right. I'm going to do what I need to do. I skipped a lot of steps. I was like, I got a calling. Bet I'm going to do this thing. But God was like, nah, you still have some things to go through. So let's take a step back and do what we need to do. And so that definitely, um, it it didn't define me, but it was definitely my, my moment of, yeah, there's something big you got to do. So I think it's, it's an amazing thing. I love that. Also, the nurse in me, because I don't know if you, I am a nurse. So were you having like GI issues before or this just like mm-hmm. happened out the, okay. I was, I was having GI issues. Um, I was very, so I know this is TMI for everybody, but I was like very constipated. I hadn't like had like a bowel movement in like two weeks, girl. Like I was, um, and it was visibly showing through my skin. I was yeah. breaking out a lot and I was just like, I just felt sick, like sluggish, couldn't move around. Um, my doctor was like, we're going to send you for a scope to see what's like going on. Um, and it just like progressively got worse, but it was stress induced. Hmm. It was very much stress induced. I, um, we ain't going to need a girl. I, it was stress induced because whenever I would go through something, I would take it out on work. I was a top f- performer. I mean, I made people. Girl, I made people cry in the courtroom with the way that I negotiated claims and things like that. Like I had attorneys crying in the courtroom. When they saw me walk into the courtroom, they were like, oh, nah, let's, we need to settle. Cause I was a closer and they knew it. They knew that I knew whatever the case was. I knew it better than them. I knew it better than their whole team. So when they saw me, I'm talking about, they were like, let's settle this because whatever she's about to do and whatever she already looked at, I don't want to go through it. I was very like dedicated to work, but I was also very stressed out at home. And so I had all this stress going on in my body. I wasn't eating right. I was probably drinking like five cups of coffee a day. Girl, I mean, that'll do it. I'm listen, I was going through it. And then what when it hit me, like, man, I haven't gone to the bathroom in a minute. Like, what's going on? Like, and and feeling literally sluggish, like, because I was working out too. And the thing about when you work out, your body, if it's something inside of you, you can't, like, you just can't move right. And every workout afterwards, you feel dead. Like, because inside you're tired, it's worn out. And then on the outside, now you're tired and worn out. I really could not figure out like what was going on. I was just like, this is crazy. And my doctor was just like, everything started from stress. And from there, it just went downhill. So 
but I deal with stress way better now. <laughs> Thank you for talking about this because <laughs> I go into nurse mode a little bit. First of all, so many people deal with like GI issues. I know a lot of people with like um, IBS and Crohn's mm-hmm. and all these things. And like this stuff is very real to them, like having issues, even like uh, after I had my daughter, I think, yeah, after I had my daughter, I was like breastfeeding and I was not moving my body and like I was constipated and it was terrible. <laughs> like I have a new appreciation for bowel movements because of that. But okay. So- it's <laughs> like one day you'd be like, uh, uh-uh, uh, you gotta come out. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh no, we <laughs> go get the fiber, go get the water. Like, yeah, I don't play about my bowel movements now because there's there's nothing like being regular. But I know like a lot of people like have these things going on and it's not like it's not like, hey, did you poop today? Like it's not something that we talk about, but it's something that affects so many people. So thank you for sharing that. And also about stress, because we don't take stress like seriously enough mm-hmm. and it can cause so many, so many issues like physically so thank you for touching on that because I don't know if it's like American culture or I don't really know where it stems from but yeah like we don't we don't take stress seriously it's almost like we've like normal I don't know if we've like normalized it we've normalized it think about it yeah you go through the school system you have the workforce industry, we normalize it because you're expected to do better. And don't get me wrong. I want to do better. I want to, like, I was a top performing student. I went to college, got a bunch of degrees. Like I, I want to do better, but here's the thing. We, we transfer stress. So you might be going through stress in your personal life. And then you transfer that stress into another area to do better in that area. And so for me, I was transferring stress from one area to another area, which caused more stress and it didn't have anywhere to put that stress. And remember, I said your your stomach is your second brain. So if you're pushing it out of your head, it goes to your stomach. And a lot of us have GI issues because of stress. A lot of us deal with, you know, things in our stomach because of stress. You get constipated, stress, like it. a lot of it's just stress. And so- I made it my mission to just never be so consumed with stress that it kills me because stress basically almost killed me. And I refuse to die because I'm worried about something or I have something on my mind that's ready to take me out. And so I really want everyone like now, like we were talking about naps, girl, I take naps um, one of the things, because I had two procedures, I have TMJ. And so TMJ is stress induced. If, if I get jaw locking or any like tension in my neck, girl, I go get massages. I do self massages. Like I'm way more, um, aware of my stress. I pull back when I know I'm stressed. And a lot of times we feel like, oh, I'll just push through it. Not realizing that there's healthy stress and bad stress. Exactly. We need stress to get us through situations. Let's just be real. That's why yeah. it's there. But that bad stress, that is that constant like going. It don't turn off. That's when you know you have to do something. So I refuse to ever go through bad stress again. And my stomach can't handle it. I'm gonna just be very honest with y'all. My GI system can't handle stress at all. <laughs> yeah. 
it makes me think of the saying I don't know, i'm hoping i'm saying it right but it's like pressure burst pipes or make di- makes diamonds so i was like you need to know like what kind of stress we dealing with here like something about to break or something good is about to come from it and it's very yes. important to learn the difference between the two yes yeah. absolutely something i don't normally ask my guests but i definitely want to ask you so you shared about going through um, abuse as a child domestic violence and it's not even a near I said near death but it, no you died you survived death so how do all of these experiences shape your perspective as a mother or like the things that you want to instill in your daughter oh girl I don't think I'm ready for this question um I'll say this <clears throat> my daughter grew up with me okay she grew up with me I had my daughter. I wasn't really ready to have a daughter. Like, even though I was married, I wasn't ready to have a kid. Um, I was still in school. I was still processing like, okay, now I'm married and I'm supposed to be healed. and I'm supposed to be a wife. And oh, Lord, now I'm 14 weeks pregnant. What? And my daughter watched me grow up. And so what that means is that she saw me heal. She saw unhealed me and she saw healed me. And going through all of these situations, I saw how strong she was and I didn't like it. Mm -hmm. My daughter, she never really saw me cry because I would go through something and then I'll just deal with it and do what I got to do. Heartbreak, divorce, whatever. She never saw me cry. And so whenever, like even throughout this experience, when I was in the hospital, she wouldn't cry and I would ask my sister I'm like is she is she sad because I wasn't home this was during COVID and so no one can come to the hospital I was in the hospital by myself and so I would ask my sister and my mom like is she okay is like I didn't realize how much my way that I handle situations shaped her because she thought it was normal to to process like first off girl i I'm in the hospital. You better cry over me. And she wasn't because she saw me do it. So that was a a turning point for me. It was a turning point, not just as a woman, but as a mom, I need to be vulnerable in front of her. I need to show her that it's okay to experience pain. Pain is, is absolutely normal. You're not supposed to suppress it. You're supposed to cry. You're supposed to be upset. You're supposed to feel some type of way. And I didn't learn that until that moment. So I won't even let people think I'm this perfect parent because I'm really not. And first off, none of us are perfect parents. If there's a perfect parent out there, um, are you an alien? Because I don't know. Okay. (laughs) None of us are perfect parents, but it really made me realize how I kind of like pulled emotions out of my parenting. And so I've since then been teaching her like healthy boundaries and teaching her like express yourself. And tell me how you feel. Even if you don't want to cry, it's important that you still tell me how you feel. And showing her, yes, I went through all these things, but I didn't handle it right. I can admit that to her now. Like some of the things I've done in life, I tell her about. And she's like, whoa, you went through that? You did that? My mom? And I'm like, yeah. And when she sees me cry now, she's like, she's not surprised. She's like, my mom is processing emotions. That is, it's a little weird, but it's cool. 
but again, she grew up with me. She saw me suppress my emotions. She saw me be a, a boss chick. She saw me do all these things. So she thought it was normal. And getting to a point where she's now, like at that time she was 10 or she was going on 10, it's like, she thinks that's normal. So it's, it took some unlearning for her too. So even though I went through all those things in life, I find it, I find peace in being able to give her a new perspective now and telling her like, yes, I was abused, but look what I did afterwards and how I processed it. That wasn't healthy. What would have been normal is that this person would have been arrested and they would have went to jail and the family wouldn't have hit it. And I would have been able to heal and go to therapy. That's, that's what normal should have been. But here's what really happened and here's how it affected me and I'm okay. And so I've been able to teach her, re like unlearn some things and teach her like processing of emotions. And I will tell you, my child is very resilient. She's so strong. She's so smart. Like I'm, I'm blessed beyond measure when it comes to her because she is a true reflection of God and work. God knew he had to give me a child, but not just a child, a daughter. He knew that I was going to heal through my daughter. Even when I did some crazy things, he knew that I would always bring it back to her. I would probably be in prison if it wasn't for my daughter. Let's just be real with everybody listening right now. I would probably be in prison if it wasn't for her. I would, I don't know, but he knew that I was going to heal and grow up with her. And he gave me, he gave her to me. And I, I thank him for that blessing every day. Cause I know he could take her away. I know he could. And I'm so thankful that he doesn't and that he will, won't do that for to me. So it's definitely helped me be a better parent. Um, raising a daughter is strange as all get out. Cause she was the first girl in my family I have none but nephews and it's all boys. And so she's the first girl. And I was like, really, God? So you're going to give me the first girl? Me? That makes no sense. But I will say I've enjoyed being her parent and I've enjoyed like healing as her parent because I get to show her like what true resilience is and what healthy processing of emotions. And I get to show her all that. And I get to show her like you get to live life the way you want you don't have to go to school if you don't want to, but you're going to do something. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So I, I don't know, like I just, being a parent and being a mother has, it saved me in a lot of ways for sure. I get that. I feel like if it wasn't for my daughter, I probably would not be here because, yeah, no. I just, especially with my relationship with her father, like going through, the abuse was so painful like mentally and emotionally that I was just like why like I feel like it would be easier to be dead than alive because this is I'm suffering so I get that and I also love being a girl mom and I love how she has been able to watch you like shift gears and I think it's a lot easier to relearn and unlearn all that while you're young like because I think about it from like a numbers perspective so like if you're 12 and you have to unlearn like 10 I don't know let's say 8 to 10 years of your life versus if you're like 
30 Ooh. um learning like 20 years of your life yeah like the odds are much better when you're younger it is, I, I I agree with you and I will I like that math <laughs> that's just how my brain works that's a math that I can get behind like real talk so I like that yeah I'm trying to think what else that you said that I'm like oh like that was good oh let okay. me ask you a question yes what brings ginger joy I feel like a lot of things honestly like that's something I think about recently especially how like freedom comes in many forms joy comes in many forms love comes in a lot of forms so it's not just like one thing it's like in this moment my daughter in this moment these nachos like you know like I don't there's just so many opportunities for like joy but I I definitely saw your face light up as you talked about your daughter and I loved it yeah she's that's my baby like I will tell you that's probably like the best thing I've ever created I don't care about the clients I mean I do care about my clients I don't care about (laughs) the work the nothing she is like the best thing that I've ever created and I just know that God gave her to me as a reminder here's the thing if I ever feel like I'm losing grip, he he gave me her as a reminder that I can hold on. And yeah, I, I try not to put so much energy into people like that because I don't want it to ever feel like I'm putting somebody over my relationship with God. But what he gave me was a tangible thing to hold on to outside of him. Yeah. Ooh. I got to tell you a story. Well- tell me. <laughs> Okay, so, because I feel the same way about my daughter. That's my best creation. I do want to have more babies one day. But for now, that's my best creation. And so the other night, we were just getting ready for bed. And she just starts singing out of nowhere. And let me tell you what she was saying. She said, on my best day, I'm a child of God. On my worst day, I'm a child of God. Every day is a good day. You're the reason why. And then it just like, she just repeats from the beginning. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and it's like, those moments are just like, I don't like, I, I don't even know how to put it in words. Like what that means to me that she is singing that at three years old. Like, oh, oh yes. so special. it's a reflection of you. She didn't get that from me. <laughs> Listen, but, but it doesn't matter that she didn't get the song from you. She got the emotion from you. And so she's able to express it. Like even when my baby was three, I anytime. Okay, so this is just a, a story. I love rapping. If anybody, I'm not going to bust a freestyle on this, but I do. I love free. rapping. I feel like rapping was a way for me to like, I've always loved writing. So rapping was a way for me to like express myself. And so I used to do it all the time when she was a baby. And then one day we're just at my sister's house. And then she's like, and then, 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 and then she kept doing it. And she just kept doing it. And like, she started actually forming words. Like my name is Elena. I do. And so. I realized in that moment, like she was a, like 
it just shows that even though we don't teach them certain things, they see us, they experience us. So your relationship with God is rubbing off on her. You might've not taught her a song, but you gave her the joy of God. And so now she can she can create a song out of nowhere and sing a song. And if she hears a song, she's like, damn, mommy loves God. I love God. Like, you know what I'm saying? So we don't think about those things. And we're like, where did you get it from? It's the love. It's the joy. It's It ran off you and onto her. So don't ever think like you didn't give her that. You did. I mean, I'm definitely trying to create that environment. I said, if I don't do nothing else, I'm going to raise up a woman of God. So Period. Okay. <laughs> so I just I, had to remind you of that because it's totally from you. Totally from you. Thank you. Um, I was thinking about the emotional aspect of what you're saying, because I think that's something I'm learning too as a mom, because I feel like, so I grew up with both my parents, like to this day, like they're still married, like very healthy marriage, like great example and everything. But I feel like my personal relationship with my parents is like a little bit opposite in the way that like my mom I can like tell her everything like I do tell her everything like I've told her way too much like things that she didn't need to know she knows and if I'm like in tears and not even like thinking logically like I can go to my mom but like I cannot go to my dad with all of my emotions and so I think that's created like I think that's led to some unhealthy things as far as like with my daughter's father like he didn't treat me not treat he didn't like honor my emotions properly but I didn't think much of it because like well my dad doesn't really honor my emotions mm -hmm. the way that I would like so if this man isn't either I mean that's what my dad does and and then like this love-hate relationship with crying to this day it's crazy when we were in Atlanta this summer like I feel like something unlocked because I after I left I was just like so emotional like the smallest things would bring me to tears like so easily and I don't know but anyways yeah so now I have I'm and by the way I consider myself a very emotional person like I own that like that's part of who I am I'm an empath I I'm still like I mean, I can understand that term. I don't know if I use that term yet, but yes, like I get it, like emotion, yes. Um, so now like I'm dealing with my emotions and I have like this little girl looking up to me and I'm, another thing with my parents is that they end up handling a lot of the responsibility of their families. So like when things happen, they're the ones to like take care of it. And I think, watch them like go through things and it, it is like they are resilient like they do mm -hmm. take care of business like they don't fall apart or like lose their mind like but at the same time I kind of wonder like hey like are you okay like did you did this upset you like did you cry about this behind closed doors like mm -hmm. you talk to God about this like I I have those questions that I'd never seen it so now like as I raise my daughter I'm still trying to I want her to like like you said, like see me cry sometimes. And except the other day, I definitely shed some tears in front of her. And I definitely wanted her to be like, mommy, are you okay? But like, she's three. So like, just like, girl, what's she was up? like, can you open this for me? Like, 
with her little bag of chips. And I'm like, bro, like, ask me if I'm okay. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. I have those but, days now with my 12 year old. And I'm like, she's, she's be like, you be all right. See, uh, <laughs> see you later. Like, girl. No, no she, I- she, she knows though. Cause this morning I dropped her off at school and one of the boys was he, this little boy loves his mom. Cause he gets so upset when she leaves and my daughter walks in the classroom and she's like, Oh, he's crying. I gotta get his water bottle. And she walks over to where they keep their water bottles. And then the other, one of the other boys came over. He's like, I know which one it is. And then he gives it to her and she walks over to the boy and she's like, here you go. Like she really thinks like drinking water is like a cure to everything. And I love it. It it can be drink water, mind my business. <laughs> yeah, she already knows. She's like, you crying, you cough, whatever you got going on, drink some water. <laughs> you gonna feel better. Yeah. So she does have that like emotional intelligence for for a three year old. So, but I want to continue to like cultivate that in her as she gets older. Like, how do we process our emotions properly? Because I feel like I feel like that's also part of moving forward. Like, in breaking general generational curses especially as like african-american people because like our ancestors they literally could they could not have emotions because that's their life like your life is on the line so for us now x amount of years later we're learning like how to find our voices and how to that it's okay to feel and we we are entitled to feel angry or hurt or whatever it is like we can feel those things and what and on top of that like what is the action or response to this big emotion yeah if that makes sense so I'm happy we got to touch on that and I want to say to um my situation is completely opposite from yours like my dad was my emotional parent. So I would go to my dad, even though my mom and dad weren't together, I could talk to my dad about everything. And my mom was the more closed off one. And so that's why growing up, I was able to make more relationships with guys versus women, because again, like I didn't, I didn't know, like outside of my sisters, I was just like women, that's just how women are. But I will say it kind of made an unhealthy balance because I started to look at men as like my emotional partner in a sense, Yeah, because that is what um, I was used to. My dad was, he was very like, open up to me, tell me what's going on, talk, talk me through stuff. And then you get in a relationship and you're like, you expect kind of like the same thing. Mm-hmm. And they're like, Oh girl, you share too much. It's like, you don't want to hear this right and so it was really important for me like growing up to establish like healthy relationships with women and like two of my best friends we've been best friends for like 20 years um and so we've we've seen the ratchet side of us and the holy side of us (laughs) so um and now I have a group of women who are like sisters to me we pray together everything so it's been so important for me to build healthy relationships with women including my mom like I don't, I'll be very honest. I don't go to my mom like you do and, and have these like conversations, but I also do know, like, if I need like a strategy, my mom's probably like the person I would go to because that's always how she's been. She's been like, do ABC. Whereas my dad is like, okay, let's sit at A for a second and let's figure like, let's hug 
and talk to me about what you're feeling before you go to be. And so I've had to strike a balance with that and understanding that, yes, your partner is supposed to support you emotionally, but they're not supposed to just carry all the baggage all the time. You have to find other resources of emotional support, whether it's therapy, going to church, having a friend group, whatever. You have to like pull some of that off of your partner. Otherwise, it'll just feel like it's, it's a draining situation. Yeah, for sure. And I'm happy that you've been able to find healthy female relationships because there is nothing like having a sister like. Okay. Who, yeah. Like this. I think it's like sisters who. Oh, it's it, the saying. The meme that's been going around is like, if you find somebody who's not blood, but it's like a sister, keep her something like that. I might have messed it up. But anyway, mm-hmm. yeah, like that's a real thing. Like female relationships like are there's something I don't know. I can't really put it into words, but like if you know, you know, so. I don't know who's listening right now, but if you need to get some girlfriends, like do some work on yourself (laughs) and just know that all women are not petty and evil. Like there is some really dope females out here and you're missing if you don't have some in your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So let's gears a little bit because we talked about a lot, but I, so obviously like we talk about some heavy stuff on my podcast and I never want to just like leave it there because that is. yeah like why would I do that to you (laughs) so all this weight on my shoulders (laughs) yeah like leaving like on a sad note like no so I like to also talk about how do we get back up so if you were talking to somebody who is going through something that you have gone through that you shared with us or whatever like can you just share tangibly like how can they get back up so first and foremost you have to recognize that Um, God has been with you the whole time. Like, even when you thought that you were doing the worst of the worst, or you were going through the worst of the worst, like you have to understand that God is with you the whole time. And he's really just waiting on you. That's it. He's waiting on you to say, I'm ready to come home father. All right. Mm -hmm. And so that's the first step is just whoever your spiritual, like whoever your God is, whatever your spiritual self is, you got to get that right. Because everything else, like working on emotional, working on physical, any of that, it's not going to sustain you like your spirit will. There are days where I will be physically drained, but spiritually, I just be so energized. And so focus on your spiritual, like having a 30-day gratitude journal, um, praying every day. I did a prayer challenge where I prayed for 90 days straight, twice a day. And it made, I don't know, it it did something in me. I don't know how to describe it, but I prayed for twice a day, every day. And there'll be days where you're like, oh, I'll pray in the morning or I'll pray later. But I would be, I'll lay down and get ready to go to sleep. And then I'm like, oh, I didn't pray. I roll out the bed and make sure I pray. So having prayer life, being able to write down what you're grateful for and what you have gratitude for, you, we take a lot of things for granted. So that would be like, some things that I would definitely do. Um, What I will say is finding a way to express God's God's mercy and, and his grace towards you. And what this means is how can you do something for somebody else? So find a way to go and feed the homeless, give back to, one of the things that I did was give back to women who experienced domestic violence and they left their situation, but they have nothing. So I would give away like free services, like helping with resumes, like helping them with personal branding, giving out clothes, 
even my daughter's clothes, if they had kids, like I, I would give them old clothes and stuff. Like there is God, we're naturally supposed to be servants, right? So being able to serve help heal me too. Um, and recognizing like you are a light. God wants you to be a light because your light is going to think of moths. Moths are attracted to lights, yeah. right? They don't, they don't, they're not attracted to darkness. So there are people right now that's in darkness. When they see your light, they're going to be attracted to you. Use your light for God's like for God and bring people to you so you can talk about God, because that's really what our mission is in life. That's part of our purpose. Yeah, we have our purpose purpose, but his purpose is to lead more people to him. So be a light. And, and I, you can find different ways to do that. Your podcast, you're a light. You don't even know that you are a light. You are leading people, um, to, to where they need to go. And that for that in itself, like you probably started this podcast as a healing journey for you and being able to share experiences with other people, but throughout the process, you have been a light to people. So figure out what your, what your lighthouse is. Oh, I like that. Figure yeah, out what good. your lighthouse is. <laughs> because just like lighthouses guide boats, you're guiding somebody else. And so I think that is probably the tangible ways that I would start. And then everything else will start to fall in line afterwards. Oh, I like that. Figure out what yeah, your lighthouse good. is. <laughs> I love that because um I love that it's okay. I gotta stop saying that. I love that. I love that. And anyways. I'll probably say it like three more times before the end of this episode, but the spiritual aspect, the non-physical aspect, the the inner work, the internal work. I love that you, there I go, I said it again. <laughs> I appreciate that you started with that because we could change up how we look on the outside. We can put on makeup. We can get fancy clothes, whatever. We can go to the gym. But if you don't deal with what's on the inside, like, it's just not going to work out. It's a Band-Aid. Yeah. And I don't, I, I'm at a point in my life where I don't want any more Band-Aids. I've thrown out my box of Band-Aids. That's yeah. it. I Now the wounds are open. They're in the air. They're healing. And... I, I refuse to put any band-aids on them. Yeah, exactly. No more quick fixes because true change is from the inside out. So thank you for yeah. highlighting that. And also you said something about um, coming home and that really resonates with me as well because I have like had to do that um, physically and I guess spiritually, yeah. Because like I literally had to come home when my marriage fell apart and I accepted that I was in an abusive relationship. I literally came back home. But then after that, I had to come back home spiritually. And like mm -hmm. my soul had to come back home because it was there was just so much distress and like confusion and conflict and turmoil. And I had to, like you also said, just receive God's mercy and his goodness towards me to even he really is like that dad that is like, I'm always going to leave the light on for you. Like, you can always come back. And so, Girl, yeah, like I, I had to come home for real. And I feel like sometimes people need to hear that. Like, you can always come home. Like, this is not. I think sometimes we use our perception of like real life parents who are like, not nah, like you can never come back here like that, whatever, like just through oh my God, 
yeah no god is not like that like you can always come home so i just want to reiterate that and also i'm so big on doing stuff for other people because when it's it's deeper than just like like yeah okay you can on the surface level you could simplify it to like giving away clothes or volunteering time or whatever but it's so much deeper than that like when you serve other people it's yeah like it shifts things for real and I think when you have that focus of others and how can I help somebody else how can I make somebody else's life better it just does something for you it it it'll help you get out of a funk for real oh it does sometimes when when you're so focused on yourself and in your own little bubble like your perception can get real distorted and you start to create stories exactly exactly you have to you have to combat those stories by getting out of self and that's that's something really big that I decided to do was to focus on other people and serve and I just I just refuse. Like if I start feeling like in a funk, I'm like, you know what? What's something I could do to give back or, you know, and, and no, it's not a trauma response. It's a reminder because that's what people do. They develop trauma responses, but Mm -hmm. it's a reminder that God wants me to serve his people. He does not want me to idolize my depression or my anxiety or just be stuck. There's, there's a difference between God's stillness and, and the, and your fleshly being stuck like being in stuck in flesh. And so I have just created, I've created this, this servant behavior that I make sure I stick to, I follow up with. And I just, I don't know, like, it just does something to me just to see like a woman light up because you, you decided to help her with her resume and she actually got the job. She can now financially support herself after being in a, a a financial abusive relationship for years because mm-hmm. people think like domestic violence is just about being hit no mm-hmm. they can they will it will be like you only have 50 dollars for the month and i have to buy you know women's stuff i have to do this and they they abuse you in different ways yeah. and so being in a place where a woman who spent 17 years not being able to financially support herself now getting a job that's life changing yeah yeah so for me it that first moment it was kind of like intoxicating like god i get to serve your people Woo-wee. and so it's a it's an energy that I, I i keep up with and i also make my daughter do it too like giving her clothes and toys and things like that so she gets excited she's like i get to clean everything out and I, now another kid is gonna be happy and she always thinks like she gets a new wardrobe <laughs> girlfriend that's not the point <laughs> but it does you're teaching them too to be servants because that's what God wants us to do I love that and that reminds me like I need to start thinking of ways how I can instill that in my daughter as well like opportunities but I have two really quick stories on this topic of because <laughs> okay a few well, more than a few months. It was about a year ago. I was in a little funk and I was just questioning my worth and like what I had to give to other people. And I decided to go to like a young adult service at church. And I was listening to this one girl share about what she's going through. And I was like, oh, like, I got a lot to say about that. And it was just a reminder because like me being at home in my bed, in my head, 
oh that rhymed anyways like yeah um <laughs> I was like nah like I don't have nothing to give nobody like I I don't I don't know but when I got out my house and out my feelings like and around other people and heard what people are going through I was like oh wait a minute I do have something to give like I needed that reminder and that's why it's so important to get out that self bubble and mm-hmm. look for opportunities to help somebody else speaking of which <laughs> so today <laughs> oh, okay so I don't know if you know but I live in Florida now and like it still gets up into the 80s during the day um so today I was picking up my car from the shop and I saw this guy walking barefoot on the side of the road and he just looked a little dirty and stuff. And so I was like, oh, like, hello, this is my opportunity because I had an extra pair of shoes, some cheap shoes that I like wear to the beach in my car. So I stopped the car and I tr- I'm like, excuse me, but he doesn't hear me. So I honked the horn and then he takes his headphones off and turns around. And I was like, do you need some shoes? And he was like, were you born with shoes? And I was like, no, I just have another pair in my car. He was, and he starts laughing and he's like, no, I just like to walk around like this. And I was like, oh, oh all right. <laughs> like, it's a real thing. It's a real thing. People do that to ground themselves. Yeah. It's, I, it's, I, it's, I, I've seen it in Cali too. Like they, they do it a lot. And I'm just like, I ain't walking outside barefoot. No. His feet were really dirty. And also, I just, also because it's Florida. And I'm just like, oh, my God, his feet are burning. Like, I just be like, it's you, boo. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. And I was like, all right, have a good weekend. I thought I was about to be like, this is my moment. Like, God, God set up this show up And he looking at you crazy like, girl, I'm good. I was born like this. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Humble me for real I was like all right okay great well God sees my heart I think I still got some points in heaven for that one right I tried (laughs) I tried Lord I tried (sighs) okay so the last serious question that I want to ask you is what does it look like for you to live life with no filter and just authentically be yourself Ooh, you know I couldn't even prepare to answer this question. Um, it's freeing. That's it. It's freedom. It it allows me to not worry about, you know, my past or any mistakes that I've made because I live in my truth. You t- Hey, you did that? Yep, sure did. Um, it just is so freeing. And there's a, a certain amount of freedom that allows you to just show up and just be you. And not worry what anybody is going to say, not worry about what anyone's perception of you being you is. And and that freedom also, it's like people look at me and be like, you have a glow about you and it's God's glow. Because I'm now, here's, here's what I literally saying. do. <laughs> Listen, it's God's glow. And let me tell you why. When I first started my walk with Christ again, I used to try to be this perfect prayer. God, you know, help me with this. And I, you know, I, I, sorry for my sins and my relationship with God has grown so much where I'd be like, God, I know I said I wasn't going to get upset and you know how I am. And I got upset. I went from trying to be like very like perfect in prayer to now just being like raw and vulnerable. And that unlocked a sense of freedom in me that I didn't even know I needed. And so 
authenticity really started with my spiritual self. And I had to get real with God because God, I really felt like God would, this is just me and I, whatever. I felt like I'd be like, girl, you know, you, you got something else inside of your head. You know, I can hear your thoughts, right? You know, I know what's in your heart, right? And once I started to say all the things I thought, especially when I would be upset, God, why did you let this happen? Like, why are you putting me through this? Okay, I know you want this for my good. God wanted such an authentic relationship with me. And until I accepted that, I couldn't be free. I just couldn't be free. So I, I hate to always take it back to spiritual, but it's the reality of it. That's me being free and, and having authenticity with my relationship with God allows me to be myself. And that allows me to just show up and just, talk with people like you and meeting you for the first time and being like, Hey girl, we sisters, like, what's up? You know, like it allows me to live in truth and just be free and welcome healthy relationships and healthy friendships. And so I tell people all the time, if you feel like you can't be your authentic selves, figure out why with God and then circle back because authenticity does not start with just telling your story. It's about, accepting your that this is the the story that God set up for you like the the timeline the the your life because your story is someone else's survival guide and once you accept that man it frees you so I just feel free I love it it. (laughs) oh my gosh I'm gonna start like if I could get a dollar for every time I say I love it (laughs) but I really do but you just reminded me of how, I don't know if you've ever heard this before, but they say like, if your car is not working, like you're going to take it to the manufacturer. So like, if something's off with you, like go to God, like that's your creator. Like that's what, that's what you just reminded me of. And I love that. Exactly. I said it again, but (laughs) I enjoy that perspective because I don't think anybody has answered the question like that before. So I love, that's why I love having that's that love with God. Like people be like, girl, what keeps you going? God. Okay. No, what else keeps you going? God. (laughs) Okay. What else keeps you going? Jesus. (laughs) Like it really does. Like I, I walk around because I already know, like I have problems. Let's be real. I got problems. I got stuff going on. I just feel so like grateful. Like God chose me. So, yeah. Yeah just life is different when you got God I I just I don't can we really explain that I don't know like you can't yeah it's it's in your heart if you know you know it's it's in your heart and it's hard to explain what's in your heart it's this it's this happiness this this fullness and you smile when you walk and you just down the streets and walking and smiling and your RBF is just different. You know, like it just looks <laughs> different. Like, yeah, I'm resting, but I'm just, I'm happy. Like I'm, I'm happy. And that's just where I'm at. I have pure joy in my heart. Even when things aren't like, I could have a fire going on behind me and I'll be like, damn, it's hot, but God's still good. <laughs> <laughs> that's beautiful. Okay. Enough of these like heavy questions. So I have three questions and they're just kind of for fun, like okay, whatever comes to mind. So this year I haven't done a lot of traveling because it's just not that season in my life. But normally I really love to travel. So that being said, if you could go anywhere in the world right now, where would you go? 
I would go to Rome, Italy. I love the architecture. I love the food. I love the, I love that they make real food, not all the preservatives and everything. And I would love to just experience just the people. Um, Even though I've heard some, some stories, like people are rude out there. um, I would just love to experience people and just go there like right now. And I could probably stay there for like a couple weeks. I, okay. I feel like like somebody like you who is just such a vibrant personality i feel like you're not going to come across ugly people cuz i it's, I, I shift I, I shift people's personalities yeah like i i i don't believe i believe you, like when you go have you been before i have not been to rome yet it's okay it's, it's on my list got you got you cuz the way you were like i love this i love that i was like oh has she gone before but no like i believe that when you finally get the opportunity to go you're going to meet the most beautiful people like Oh, I will. I'm speaking that into existence. I know I will. And I know God is going to be on God's timing for sure, because every time I've tried to go, something's happened. And so I just, okay, Um, God, it's not, it's not time for me to go. And so I know it will be on God's timing, but yeah, I just, I've researched it a lot. I've always been super fascinated with Italy and um, like the, the, the most, I think it's the most fluffy coast or whatever. Like I want to I want to I want to do like a whole like European tour, but just stop in like Venice and Rome and just just be there. Same. I mean, I want to go everywhere. So I'm just like, yeah, same. <laughs> but I cannot wait when you go. I already know the content is going to be fire. And like, I'll be looking. I haven't out. even dropped all my Mexico content yet. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Still have so much. I'm like, when am I supposed to put this out? I already put out a lot of content. When does this come out? <laughs> I'm going out tomorrow to like a fancy event and I'm already like, all right, what are we making? <laughs> like period. I gotta y'all gonna see this. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Okay. I appreciate that. You get it. The content creator life. Okay. So the next question is a song that you'd like to share. So it could be either like one of your favorite songs that gets you through or something that you have on repeat, like right now in this season. So either or. Ooh, so um, I will share. There's two songs. I, I don't want to get them wrong. So let me let me pull up my my phone. So Naomi Rain has a song called OK. And um, she's a gospel singer. She I love her. But the song OK is so real. And it resonated with my soul. Mm-hmm. That's the only way I can describe it. So that's that's the first song that I would recommend. And then there's a song um, Kirk Franklin Franklin and Maverick City did together. It's called Kingdom. Um, And that song, and I don't want to get it wrong. Let me make sure. Yes, Kingdom. So it's Maverick City, Kirk Franklin, Naomi Rain, Chandler Moore. And I love that song. Okay, I got to give you three. I got to give you three. Okay, okay. (laughs) Cry Out is by Refresh Worship, but Naomi Rain sings it. And she basically sings that she won't let a rock cry out for her. And that she won't let anyone, there's a lot people try to take from us, but she won't let anybody take her praise. And that song gets me through my day. I hear that, I could repeat it all day long. And I could just, anything that comes up against me, I'm like, you won't take my praise. So that would be the three songs I would say. I'm glad you added that because that was a lesson right there. But <laughs> I was like laughing to myself when you were saying Maverick City and Kirk and da da da. Because 
Maverick City, like, it's never just Maverick City. It's like Maverick City and this person and that person and this. It's like five people. <laughs> yes, yes. And I'm just like, y'all don't understand how powerful a song with Maverick City is. Like, because there's always somebody they're bringing in that collaboration. Yeah. And it just makes the message even more powerful. That's like, the word. Collaboration. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I love me some Maverick City because I always know they're going to have some some collab that's going to be like bomb. <laughs> yes. Agreed. Perfect. I'm going to put all of those songs in the show notes. And Please the last do. thing I'm going to put in the show notes is a book recommendation so it could be either something that you have read before that has that really like shifted things for you or something that you're reading right now. Okay, so yes, I just finished the book. It is called Believe Bigger. It's Oh by, yes. It's by Marshawn <laughs> Evans Daniels and then there's also 100 Days of Believing Bigger, which is a yeah. devotional. And those two together have shaped me and blown my mind. So I will say yes to that and then the next book I'm gonna read well I'm rereading because I have the devotional is uh disruptive thinking I've listened to it on audible but now I'm gonna read the book and then I have the um it's like a like a devotional like a mm-hmm. a study guide so yeah. I'm gonna read the, those two together um I love believe bigger yeah it is it's crazy. It's so good. So that would be my recommendation. I got so excited when you said that because nobody has ever said that book. And I too, I literally might have the book on this table. Like I have it behind me. I just put it back up on the shelf today. Like it's right here, y'all. Oh, I see it. I'm not even going to reach for my copy, but yes, because I, I took a picture. I heard Marshawn for the first time in 2019 was so moved by her and like bought her program real quick bought her book like and I really just admire her and her brand I know she's not moving at the same pace now that she's had her triplets but I guess like that book was such a game changer and I love that it was so I'm so happy about that because yes it's one of my favorites and I probably so I'm a big I reread books because I feel like as I leave out of a season, I, I'm I'm different. So yeah. I might reread this in the next six months and have a whole nother perspective of things. And so I just I just love the book. I've actually like recommended it to so many women to just read it because it's a powerful book. It is. You have me like ready to re-download Audible. <laughs> Cause yeah, that's where I have it on in. You're like the third or fourth person to talk about disruptive thinking. So I'm like, all right. All right. Oh, disruptive thinking. Read it. I will. Read it. Listen, I listened to it on Audible, but I someone was like, no, nah, you need to get the book in the study guide. And so I got that. So that's on my next list. But read it. It. Oof. I, I know Jesus was a disruptive thinker. And oh, that yeah. Could, that was that could be a whole nother like podcast episode but Jesus was such a disruptive thinker and I love the book because I am accepting that I'm a disruptive thinker so I don't know if you got a chance to listen to the Jeezy and Nia Long interview yet because it just dropped this week but it was so good and it's on my list (laughs) yeah watch that thing because it was good really good but Jeezy talked about that being part of his purpose as well being a disruptor and I I love that I'm here for that yeah 
Thank y'all. Okay. <laughs> We're wrapping it up here. So is there anything that you would like to add before we close out? Because I feel like you've already said plenty. And I'm <laughs> I think the most important thing I want y'all to get from this is that what you see me, all my responses, everything I talked about is just freedom. It's being free from my past, from my traumas, from uh, beliefs, lies, labels, limitations that I've placed on myself, what other people place on me. You see freedom. And if anything, I hope that this interview encourages you to seek that. So that would be my last thing. I love that. Oh, my God. I really need to agree, like, like work on my responses because <laughs> why did I? It just comes out like, without even thinking. You genuinely like, love it. I do. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm about to cut this right now before I'm like, I love that five more times. But no, thank you so much for that. Um, thank you for having me. Of course, those closing words. Because as I'm listening to you, I'm like, okay, like, what am I going to call this? And so I think that helped me to get a title together. But yes, thank you for your time. Thank you for your glow, for your story. Let's see if it does it. Oh, is that, do I got to update my Zoom? She just put a heart and it got hearts. I have no idea how I make it happen. I just know one day I was on Zoom and I did like a thumbs up or something and I saw, there it is, that happened. And then I was like, oh, I wonder if this will do it. And then next thing you know, the hearts rolled out. And so I have no idea. I can be on FaceTime and it does it too. So I think it might be an iOS update okay. and when you're on video, but I have no idea how to do it or how to turn it off. I just love it. All right. When I'm up in the middle of the night, I'm going to be searching how to get these settings because I want hearts and thumbs up, too. <sighs> All right. On that note, I'm going to end this. <laughs> Thank you so much. You're Bye. so welcome. Thank you. <laughs>